So, originally we are going to be doing our Joseph series today, but in talking with Deb and with Cindy and with Jane and those folks in an email, they said just do chapter 40, 41, like we did last week, and then why don't you do Ephesians 6? I said, that is a fantastic idea. Love it when the Spirit of the Lord works that way. I'm going to read this, and if you would, please stand for the reading of Ephesians 6 here. Verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. You may be seated. Here's a quick analogy I just want you guys to think about with me. Real quick, we're going to be taking like a 50,000-foot view of this passage today. This is something that could be a month-long series easily, and probably should be. I'm going to be talking with Pastor Russ when he gets back from sabbatical because spiritual warfare is one of the things that is glossed over most often. That and end-time prophecy, eschatology, those are the two subjects that are not preached about most in churches. And sadly, are kept from the, if you want to call them, our Bible colleges, our seminaries, the vast majority of them have stopped teaching the next generation of pastors and spiritual leaders about spiritual warfare. They have stopped. And you know why? That is purposeful. Whether these institutions know it or not, it is purposeful infiltration of the enemy. Now here's an analogy I want you to think with me real quick. Let's say, let's pretend that you are a leader, you're the ruling leader of a country. And you've been getting reports that your country's been attacked, is currently being attacked, and future attacks are planned. You kind of do a quick assessment, you look around, nothing's out of place, nothing really seems out of order, nothing seems amiss. So one of two things you land in. Either these attacks really aren't as bad as you think they are, Or they're not happening at all. It's bad intel. Is this a good strategy? Show of hands. Is this a good strategy to have? Anyone say yes. In protecting your country, the people that live in your country, those that depend on you for a good quality of life, for their basic needs, is this a good strategy to have? No. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Because what's the predicted outcome of this mindset? Failure, defeat, being taken over by your enemy and being their captors. 
Here's the truth. That country is your family. You are the leader of this country, which is your family, folks, parents. And I, for one, do not have this all figured out, okay? <laughs> Just want to set the foundation there. But back in 2009, my physical eyes and my spiritual eyes were awakened to the fact that we are in a spiritual war every single minute from the minute we are born to the minute that God lets us take our last breath. This message isn't to scare anyone, it's to prepare you. Because I was not prepared and I was not in the game. I didn't know there was a war. I didn't know there was a battle. Yeah, I grew up in Awana. I learned these verses. I memorized these verses. But here's the deal. Many of us are either too oblivious or too apathetic to care. This is our wake-up call, folks. This is my wake-up call, again. The greatest trick the devil has ever played is making people think one of two things. Either he doesn't exist, or he's not that much of a threat. If you leave him be, he'll leave you be. Just leave him be. It's like a hornet's nest. Don't go up, don't throw rocks at it. Don't go up with a stick and poke it to see what flies out. Just leave him alone and he'll leave you alone. That is one of his greatest tricks, guys. There's the deception that's going on. Our families are being attacked repeatedly, and they have been. And many of us are so deceived that we can't even realize it. So parents, what are your priorities? Here are the priorities that I was taught. Jesus, spouse, kids, church, work, friends, hobbies. Now wait a second, Dave. You put some things in there that I don't agree with. Well, you know what? It's not my job to convince you today. At the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference that a number of us went to, last March, out in Davenport, one of the speakers said that he is not a motivational speaker. He said what he actually is. And I went up to him afterwards and said, can I use that? He's like, yeah, but be careful with it. So I am. I am not a motivational pastor. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear, what you think you want to hear. So unfortunately, you have an irritational pastor. I don't want to tell you what I want to tell you. I have to tell you what the Bible and what the Lord says I have to tell you. And that is what Pastor Russ and Pastor Paul stand on as well. So look at me, your irritational pastor. I'm going to say some things today that will probably upset you and tick you off. I hope it does. I hope it gets you mad at the enemy. If it gets you mad at me, I can take it, okay? I care about you all too much not to tell you the truth. So give me, your, give me your anger, and I'll be praying that the Holy Spirit will be working in you to direct it to whom it really needs to go to, Satan himself. Parents, are we modeling the kind of spiritual life that our kids need?
to see, to see what it actually means to live out a relationship with Jesus. And parents, are you modeling to your spouse that same? Parents, are you involved in your kids' lives? We talked about this with all the tech talks this last spring, and God bless Gus and Nancy Brinkman for leading that charge. And many of those have stepped in to help. Do you know what your kids are doing on social media? Do you know what they're doing online? Do you know what's on their phone? Do you know the kind of music that's on their phone? The kind of lyrics that's in the music that's on their phone? Do you know what kind of apps they have? Do you know what they're looking at in the dead of night when you're sleeping? Believe it or not, now these devices, which are not evil, okay? I'm not anti-device. I have them myself. They're tools. They can be used for good and they can be used for bad. And one of the best ways the enemy has is to infiltrate our kids through these devices and social media when we just think, oh, whatever. Invade your kids' lives. Invade them. Oh, Dave, they need their privacy. No, they don't need their privacy. They can't handle the privacy. They cannot. We've done the same thing in my house, and it was not happiness at first, was it, girls? No, it wasn't. We've done this in youth group, and no phone connection zone, and it wasn't received with a whole lot of yelling, yay, thanks, Dave. You know what? I don't care. I care about your kids too much. They need to be reading and studying this Bible. The one on the phone is great. But as Pastor Russ has said, there is something supernatural that happens when you read this love letter from your creator in its form right here. There is something supernatural that happens when you're reading it. This is what he wants. I shared the story about how I used to do my devotions on my phone all the time. And one day, this was back in probably end of February, beginning of March, I'm in my office, I'm doing my devotions, I'm reading my Bible, and I went like this on the page to scroll up on my Bible. I scrolled up on the page. How pathetic is that besides very? And I was like, oh my goodness, Lord, I am sorry. Here's part of the deception here. But first, here's hope, guys. We all need hope, godly hope, amen? Charles Spurgeon said, we must never cease to pray for our children until they cease to breathe. No case is hopeless while Jesus lives. That is the power of the God we serve. The deceit part of this is don't acknowledge and study the enemy. Don't even talk about him. Because it gives him more power. That is one of the biggest lies from the enemy right there, guys. When you are going in war, and you are in a war, and you know, you're, you know who your enemy is, but you just say, well, you know what? You, mark, you meet with your Department of Defense, and you say, you know what? Here we go, guys. Um, we're just going to go, and we're going to win. How's that? Are we going to study him? No, 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 no. Nope, nope, we're not going to study. We're not going to strategize. We're not going to see 
where their weak points are. We're not even going to say their name because that gives them power. Okay? That gives them power. So, But we're going to go in and we're going to win. And all of a sudden you look around and it's just you in the room. Let's bring it down to not a military thing. Let's bring it down to a competition sport like football. A professional football player. They're going up against the number one team in the NFL. They study tapes and tapes and tapes and tapes and more tapes and more videos of the team and specifically the player that they're going to be going up against. Just find out what his moves are. What's his strategy? What's his weak spot? That only makes sense, doesn't it? That only makes sense, doesn't it? All right, cool, you're with me, thank you. These lies, these beliefs are straight from the pit of hell itself, folks. The enemy doesn't want you studying him. He doesn't even want you saying his name. That we shouldn't go around saying, devil, 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 Satan, 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 Satan. That's not what I'm saying here. But Jesus called Satan by name. And Jesus talked more about hell than he ever did about heaven. For a reason. Hell is real. Our enemy is real. Here's some disturbing stats that I'm just going to give you. Here's a glimpse of the deception that Satan has put in our country in the United States right here. And these stats are almost 10 years old. This came from 2014. 67% of unchurched adults call themselves Christian. Does going to church make you a Christian? Absolutely not. But the Bible commands us to gather together in some way, shape, or form. We need one another. 10% believe that God is the higher state of consciousness that a person may reach. That means that they can not only reach God but in their conscious state, but they can be God. That's new age. 19% believe the whole idea of sin is outdated. 68% stated that Satan is merely a symbol of evil. Evil exists, just not in an actual form of an entity. So you just stick the little devil with the horns and a pitchfork and the little fork and the pointy tail at the end, and that's what evil looks like because it's more of a Star Wars thing. You got the good side of the force, and then you have the bad side of the force. of people, now these are people that say that they are Christians. 64% of people believe that if a person is generally good enough, they will earn a place in heaven. 61% do not believe that people who don't accept Jesus will have to go to hell. So basically they're saying you don't have to accept Jesus to go to heaven. 25% agree that it doesn't matter what faith you follow because all faiths lead to the same God. 31% say that a good person can earn his or her way into heaven. 12% don't know what's going to happen to them after they die. 53% say the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. And 65% say that Satan doesn't exist. 30% of people who say that they are Christians say that Jesus Christ died but never had a physical resurrection. So who are they following? Seriously. 29% contend that when Jesus lived on earth, he was human. He committed sins just like other people. 
and 93% of Christians no longer have a biblical worldview. I could go on. Oh, I'll do one more. Two more. 55% say the Bible has errors in it. 50% of Christians say there's no such thing as absolute truth. So here's the deal, folks. When you don't believe in the spirit or the spiritual realm, the enemy has you right where he wants you. Jack Hibbs is the one that said that. He's a pastor out of California. One of the few good ones. Unbeliever, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, I'm telling you this and my heart breaks, but you are the prize. You are the prize of Satan and his fallen angels. That's why I said last Sunday, this church has an agenda to tell you about Jesus and to hopefully and pray that the Spirit of God opens your eyes of your heart for your need for him. Because you already belong to him already. But you don't have to. Satan knows that his time here is so very, very short. Thank God that's very short. And the only way he knows to get back at God, to get back at his creator that he turned his back on and he rebelled from, the way that he's going to get back at God is to just try and destroy the creation that God loves most. You. He's going to try and get you to turn your back on God. He's going to try and get you to reject him and to curse God to his face. That's his consolation prize, which he is more than willing to take. Now know this, on the flip side, unbeliever, you are so loved by Jesus, you have no clue. He died for you. He was the perfect spotless lamb of God. When a lamb was needed, a perfect spotless lamb was needed to be the perfect sacrifice to atone for people's sins, to make them right in God's eyes for that period of time. Jesus loves you so much. And that's why Pastor Paul, Pastor Russ, and myself, this is why we give you all the word each and every week. This is why I beg, I beg you to consider Jesus because then maybe the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of your heart for your need for him. We here at Faith Community, we don't want you to put your faith and trust in Faith Community Church. We don't want you to accept Faith Community Church. We cannot save you. Only Jesus can save you. It is him and him alone that you put your faith and trust in refusing and denying and renouncing anyone and everything else that you've put your faith and trust in. And there's another flip side, unbeliever. On the contrary, you are so hated by the enemy. All they want to do is destroy you in every way, shape, and form. Destroy your family. Destroy your life. Destroy anything that you consider good. And this is why we here at Faith Community want you to know, love, and follow Jesus. Because this is where you're going to find your freedom. Not in faith, but in Jesus.
there's a big difference in being woke and awake, right? Woke. I think everyone here knows what that means. I am not woke, but I am awake by the grace of God. Because the moment I put my faith and trust in Jesus, his spirit, the spirit of God now lives in me. And the same power, just like Jeremy Camp sings, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in me. The spirit of God. And you can have that same. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood and sisterhood throughout the world. And here's our reward, guys. 1 Peter 5, 10, 11. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, in Christ Jesus himself, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever. Endeavor, amen. So Christian brother, Christian sister, you also are the prize of the enemy. He can't claim ownership of you anymore. An unbeliever, he's going to try and claim ownership of you, but God made you. So because God made you, you belong to him just in that regard of itself. But please know, don't, don't confuse that with you belonging to him as far as a child of God. You were created by him, so he owns you. But you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one, and nothing, no one comes to the Father but through me. It is through Jesus only. So Christian, know this. There's only one way for the devil and his demons to get power over you. The only power the enemy has over the Christian is when we give it up to him, when we choose to sin. And we can rebuke him in the name of Jesus and he will flee. That's what 1 Peter 5 said. In the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of his shed blood, any demons, evil angels, Satan himself, I cast you off out away from me. And I send you to the pit, to wherever Jesus Christ would have you go, and you must go in the name of Jesus Christ. And you know what? They leave that fast. They leave that fast. The name of Jesus has power. His shed blood has power. Don't take our enemy as, uh, as a, don't take him as a fool. He's very organized. He has a military-like structure. And we see this in Ephesians 6, verse 12 there. But he goes from highest to lowest. you got thrones, dominions, principalities, and then rulers, powers, and spirits. He's very organized, so don't take him as a fool. But God. Ephesians 6, verse 10 says this. You're in a fight know you're in a fight. Ephesians 6, verse 13, keep your hands up. When you're in a fight, don't put your hands down. Don't rest. Don't relax. 
Stand watch. Be watchful. Be sober-minded. And verse 18, no quitting. No quitting. There is no quitting in this fight. Because if you quit, here's a disclaimer. The enemy won't. You just made it easier. How do we fight back? James 4, 7. Glad you asked. James 4, 7 says this. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Here's another disclaimer. Those pesky disclaimers. To be able to use the authority of God, you must be under the authority of God. If you don't have Jesus as Savior, you can't use his authority. But you have Jesus as your Savior, as your sin bearer. You've got all the authority available to you through Jesus to be able to fight and fight victoriously. You'll be ending here very shortly. A couple things just to hit here. You need a head-heart connection. The head connection, the head part, too many people think that knowing about the Bible and knowing about Jesus, knowing theology, knowing doctrine, knowing apologetics, knowing hermeneutics, they think all this head knowledge equals salvation, and it does not. If it never penetrated here, the demons know more than you, and they shudder. You can go for all the learning of everything that you want in a religious type of institution, any kind of Bible class, Bible college, online course. But if you don't possess it in your heart, it's, you're not a child of God. You need that head-heart connection. The heart connection means this, the Spirit of God lives in you. You guys know the armor of God, the belt of absolute truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of readiness, the gospel of peace, helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the absolute very word of God. How important is the armor of God? Besides very. Isaiah 59, verse 17, talking about God. He, God, put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. If God himself is putting on his armor, it's safe to say that we need it too, right? Amen. That's why Paul says twice in this passage, verse 11 and verse 13, put on the full armor of God. And then again in verse 13 he says, so put on the, in, the whole, the entire armor of God because too many Christians go out spiritually naked and you wonder why you got beat up at the end of the day. So where are you at? Unbeliever, at this moment, you're easy prey. You're not a threat. He's right where you want. He's right where he wants you to be, and you're heading for an eternity without Jesus in hell. Hard words to hear. How many here want to hear that they're going to hell? Not me. That's why so many fight against it. There's this indignation that rises up in you. Wait a second. Why am I going to hell? I've done good. 
I gave money to the Boy Scouts and to this church and to other stuff. I've done all these things. Don't tell me where I'm going. I'm not. The Word of God is. And here's the deal. All you have to do is receive the free gift of salvation. But so many people, they don't want to admit that they're sinners. They don't want to admit that they're in need of a Savior because that's a demonic deception that's going on in your head and in your heart. I can't convince you. It's not my job to convince you. It's the Holy Spirit's job, and that takes all the pressure off of me. Today is the day for your salvation. I love you, and I care about you, and I don't want to see you go to hell. Because once that's where I was headed, and someone cared enough to tell me about Jesus, how he paid for my sin, and he died the death that was meant for me. And he didn't stay dead. He rose again from that grave, just as promised, just as he had said, just as prophesied all the way back in Genesis 3. So here's what you do. The ABC is the salvation. Yes, it is this easy. A, admit, acknowledge that you are a sinner. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that word sin is an archery term. It means you miss the mark. You miss that mark of perfection. So let Jesus take the shots for you. He'll hit the target every time perfectly. B, believe Jesus died for your sin, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's that head-heart connection, guys. And lastly, call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you everyone read that Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13 with me? Just read it out loud with me. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray this made sense. I pray that you were able to take all this and your Holy Spirit was able to send it out just as you wanted it. Jesus, we love you. We need you every minute of every hour. Thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.